And it's good to know sometimes when you think he's a million miles away, he's closer than you can imagine. Sometimes the enemy would like to get us to believe that he's nowhere to be found. The Bible says just the opposite of that. He's everywhere to be found. Amen? Well, good morning. How are you this morning? It's good to be back. I'm thankful again to Steve for filling in for me last week. But we're still in our sermon series on the 23rd Psalm. Today we'll be actually looking at the fifth verse of the 23rd Psalm. There's only six verses, so last, uh, next week we'll wrap everything up. But before I get started, I heard a funny little joke uh, about a captain who once upon a time was in the Royal Navy. His name was Captain Bravado, and he had a reputation of being fearless in the face of his enemies. One day, his lookout spotted a pirate ship coming their way to attack them. Well, the crew went ballistic. They went frantic and in a panic, didn't know what to do. Well, Captain Bravado stood up and he bellowed out, Bring me my red shirt! Well, one of his crew jumped up and brought him his red shirt. And while wearing his brightly colored red shirt, the captain led his crew into battle against the pirates and defeated the pirates. That evening, all the men were sitting around on top of the deck and recounting their great triumph that day. One of them said, uh, Captain, uh, sir, why did you call for your red shirt right before battle? The captain replied, well, I just thought that if I was wounded during the attack, that red shirt wouldn't show my blood and you guys would keep fighting on without fear. All the men sat and marveled at the courage of their brave captain. As dawn came the next morning, the lookout saw not one, not two, but ten approaching pirate ships ready to attack his ship. Well, the crew stared uh, in silence at their captain, wondering what he was going to order. Uh, captain Bravado gazed with steely eyes at the vast fleet of pirate ships coming against his ship, and without fear, he turned and calmly shouted, Get me my brown pants! Sorry, some of you are saying he shouldn't tell that kind of joke in church. Well, it was pretty good up till the end, amen? <laughs> That's being afraid. That's being really afraid. But I do know this. There's a reality that every one of us face sometimes, and let's just say many times in our lives, when we are full of fear, when we are afraid. That's why I love this next uh, verse in the 23rd Psalm, verse 5, because it deals with that. It speaks to that about the times that we go through where we are afraid, where sometimes we're full of anxiety. And if you remember, going through the 23rd Psalm, up to now we've had two main characters in the story. We've had the shepherd and the sheep. And we've realized by now, or hopefully you've realized by now, that that is symbolic of our relationship with our heavenly Father. Uh, the shepherd symbolizing Jesus, the sheep, of course, uh, being us. But today I want to look at the verse uh, we're going to look at today, verse 5, because it brings another party, another character into the situation, into the mix, and it's our enemies. With that said, let me ask you, and be honest with yourself, how many of you have ever felt surrounded by enemies? You've ever felt surrounded by your enemies? Have uh, you ever felt so alone that uh, you felt like you couldn't count on anybody and you felt like the whole world was against you? How many have ever felt totally alone and that no one cares and even the people that are supposed to care, when the chips are down, they don't? 
Maybe some of you have heard the story about the Lone Ranger and Tonto. One day they were riding through the desert and they came over a hill and all of a sudden they realized they were surrounded uh, uh, by 2,000 Indians. Well, the Lone Ranger looks at Tonto and says, Tonto, what are we going to do? And Tonto uh, replies back, says, I don't know what you mean by we, pale face, amen? <laughs> With friends like that, who needs enemies, amen? I remember years ago when I was in high school, it was a Friday night, I was at home, and I remember I looked out our window, front window, and I saw a buddy of mine pull up in his car in front of our house. Lights were on, he got out of it, left it running, and when he opened the door, I could see that there were two other of my buddies in there with him. Well, he comes up to my front door, and I'm standing there at the front door talking to him, and he's telling me about something that they had done, and, and uh, the cops were after him, and... Um, about that time, him and I see some lights coming down the street. We lived on a dead-end street. Uh, in that moment, the doors flew up on it, open on his car, and one of my buddies went that way, and the other buddy went that way, ran off into the night, didn't even bother to shut the door. They just left it wide open, and it turned out to be the cops, and things didn't turn out too good for that friend that night. But let me just say this. Those two guys in that car were supposed to be some of his best friends. But when the going got tough, the not-so-tough got going, amen, and they ran out on him, left him there all by himself. With friends like that, who needs enemies? I would imagine David might have felt that way with all the enemies he had surrounding him. Because when he wrote this part of the psalm, it's evident that he had seen his enemies and that he was seeing his enemies. I don't know what caused him to write this part of the psalm, but I do know and I do believe that the Lord showed him some truth through what he went through that should bring all of us as God's sheep some peace in our lives, should bring some uh, joy in our lives concerning our shepherd. So this morning, if you're taking notes, I want to give you three of these two truths today that I believe can set you free. Uh, the first one, if you're taking notes, is Jesus has made the preparations for you. Jesus has made the preparations for you. He's made the preparations for us. Starting out in verse 5, David writes this. You, meaning God, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Reading from Philip Keller's book on shepherding, I've been referring to this a lot in our sermon series. He says that one of the most important jobs for the shepherd is to go out and find a mesa. A mesa is actually a green pasture for the sheep to eat in and to be nourished in. But after he finds that mesa, that green pasture land, it said it was his responsibility to prepare that land, that pasture, so that the sheep could eat in peace. Because there's something about a sheep, uh, that, about sheep that they will not eat if they are afraid. They just won't. And I think we're not a whole lot different than that. I mean, sometimes when we're full of fear and full of anxiety, we lose our appetite and we don't want to eat. But before the shepherd could bring his sheep into that field, he had to prepare that field. He had to prepare that place for his sheep. The shepherd would go in and he would look for any poisonous plants that might be there. He would make sure they had a good water supply. He would drive out the wolves and the wild dogs, anything that might harm the sheep. Uh, he would make sure that there was nothing in that pasture that might harm his sheep. But here's the thing, in many parts of the Middle East, there were these little adders, they were little poisonous snakes that built their home in the ground and came out in and out of a snake hole. Anyway, these little adders, when the sheep were grazing in that pasture land, would 
jump up out of their holes and nip the sheep on their noses. And when they would nip the sheep on their noses, that sheep would almost always get an infection. And if it wasn't treated by the shepherd, that sheep was going to die. So it was a serious situation. So one of the things the shepherd would do when he found that mesa, he would go up and down that field, up and down that pasture, looking for every little snake hole he could find. And he would take a little bit of olive oil and he would pour it around the snake hole to keep the snake from being able to climb out. He would also put a little bit of oil on the sheep's nose just in case that sheep got too close to that hole. The smell of the oil on the sheep's nose would keep the snake from striking uh, the sheep. So to make sure the sheep would eat, let's just say the shepherd had to prepare some things. He had to prepare the table. He had to prepare the field for the sheep. And the sheep knew without a doubt that there were enemies on all sides, but guess what? They didn't have to fear because they knew the sheep, the shepherd was preparing the table. They knew he was taking care of their enemies. And remember through this whole thing, we are God's sheep, amen? You know, it's easy to eat when you're surrounded by people that love you. It's a whole different story to be able to sit down and eat in peace when you're surrounded by people who hate you. But let me tell you, it's doable. Let me tell you, it's possible even in the world we live in today when you know that the shepherd is protecting you, when you know that the shepherd is watching over you and that he's not going to let any harm come your way. Amen? He's going to be there to watch over you. I don't know about you, but that brings me some comfort this morning to know that whatever situation I'm in, I can count on my shepherd. Amen? We can count on our shepherd. Reminds me of... uh, a story I heard about the Cherokee Indians. Uh, as the Cherokee moved into manhood, a young boy would move into manhood. Um, they had a custom that they would take this young man out into the woods in the deep of dark of night and leave him all by himself without a weapon, without any way to defend himself, and his father would be right there to tell him his last words, Son, no matter what happens, remember this. You don't have to fear. Well, needless to say, he heard every noise in the woods that night. Amen? He heard every owl hoot. He heard every branch uh, blow in the breeze. He heard every animal scurry across the floor of the woods. He heard every pine cone drop. He didn't have any trouble imagining every shadow to be a big black bear looking for a meal. Amen? Usually the boy would spend his entire night in unbelievable terror, just counting the minutes until the sun came up. Amen? Until the sun came up. But you know what always happened when the sun came up? As the young boy's eyes began to adjust to the light and he could see more clearly, guess what was the first thing he saw? His father. His father was standing right there with his weapon in his hand to protect his son. That's what Jesus, our shepherd, does for us. Amen? That's what our shepherd does For us, being a Christian, I have learned that peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Amen? Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus in our lives. So no matter what we go through, as long as we know that He is there, even if you can't see Him physically, you can know spiritually that He's made you a promise, and He's made you a promise that He's going to keep every day of our lives, every moment of our lives. How many remember the scene from the Last Supper? It's there that at the most famous table setting of all that these words were heard. John 13, verse 2, 
It says, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Skip down to verse 27. It says, the thing that you will do, he's talking to Judas, he says, do it quickly. Judas took the bread Jesus gave him and immediately went out, and it was night. You know, when I hear that, I'm just thinking Jesus had some snakes to deal with too. Amen? Jesus had some vipers to deal with too. And there was only one disciple that didn't complete the meal that night, and it was Judas. And Jesus definitely prepared a table in the presence of his enemy that night. Judas was allowed to see the supper, but he wasn't allowed to stay there and eat the supper. I can just imagine Jesus Jesus saying, you're not welcome here. This supper and this table is prepared for my children. You can trip them up, you can mess them up, you can test them, but you're never going to sit with them. You can do all this against them, but you're never going to sit with them. Let me tell you, church, today, you and I can spiritually sit down at a table in perfect peace and eat to our heart's content, a spiritual table, and eat at our heart's content because our shepherd, our shepherd, the Lord Jesus, is always near. Amen? He not only gives us all that we need, he is all that you need. He's not just what we need, he's everything we need. The second truth, if you're taking notes about our shepherd, is our shepherd protects us. David goes on and he says, you anoint my head with oil. You know, as if those little snakes I talk about, talked about earlier weren't bad enough, there was something that was a worse enemy to the sheep than the snakes, and it was something called a nose fly. How many of you have ever been irritated by those biting little flies? We own some horses, and man, they attract the flies, and boy, do those things bite. Well, the sheep were also irritated by those biting flies, and those biting flies would bite them so much they would bleed, and when they bled, uh, it attracted more flies. But worse than the biting flies that the sheep feared was these, were these nose flies. These nose flies were actually flies that would literally fly up the nose of a sheep. They would lay their eggs, the eggs would hatch into larvae, and these larvae would literally drive the sheep crazy. The sheep would do anything they could to shake them off. They couldn't uh, get them out with their hooves. They couldn't get them out by swishing a tail. They'd do anything to get rid of them. And sometimes you'd even see a sheep banging its head against a, a stone just to try to get relief from the craziness of what's going on in his head. It was so terrible. Sometimes he would run. He would shake his head with all of his might, but nothing would work. And if that sheep didn't get some relief and some relief soon, it would stop eating. It would lose its appetite, and if you don't eat, guess what happens? Eventually, they die. So what would the shepherd do? The shepherd would take a concoction of two things, olive oil and sulfur, and he would anoint the head of the sheep. The shepherd used that uh, anointing oil uh, as a repellent, number one, and also as a medicine. First of all, it would kill the, uh, the, the flies in that sheep's nose and the eggs that were in that sheep's nose. But it also acted as a repellent to deter any other flies that might bother the sheep. Secondly, that oil was also a salve and anointment. Because when a sheep would have an open wound, it would get filled with dirt out on the prairie. And it would get infected. It would cause uh, uh, poison to go through the bloodstream of that sheep. And again, it was very possible that that sheep would die. So the shepherd would use the oil to clean the dirt from the wound so the wound would heal. Let me ask you, isn't it amazing? how little things can cause so much irritation. Isn't it amazing with us? It works that way with the sheep, but doesn't it work that way with us as people? It doesn't have to be anything great big to drive us crazy. 
When the sheep are bothered by flies or covered with sores, they need the oil. And they need their shepherd to apply the oil to heal them of their wounds and to comfort them in their pain. I said all this to say that God is exactly the same way. God does exactly the same thing for us through the, through the uh, oil of his Holy Spirit. When we're wounded, when we're hurting, when we're irritated, even when we're bothered by the small things of life, God is right there. He takes the oil of his Holy Spirit and pours it afresh and anew over our heads and into our hearts to heal our wounds and comfort us in our pain. That's a good God. Amen? Do you notice the singular tense here? He doesn't say he anoints our heads. He said, David says, he anoints my head. David puts it in the singular. David puts it in the personal. Because David had a personal relationship with his shepherd, David had also spent time as a shepherd, and he knew at the end of the day, a shepherd would take every sheep before he went to bed and examine every sheep one by one to make sure they didn't have any flies, didn't have any sores, didn't have any problems. Yeah, he loved the entire flock, but he loved them individually one by one. Think about our God as our shepherd. As great as our God is and as powerful as our God is, God cares for us in the same way. Did you know that with God you're never going to get lost in a crowd? You know that? You know with God you're never going to get lost in a flock? He knows each one of us, believe it or not, better than we know ourselves. That's a comforting thought, to know that my God knows me better than I know myself. The enemy doesn't just attack us with flies, or doesn't usually attack us with flies, but he uses other things in our minds. He uses things like trying to put in impure thoughts, for one. He tries to insert thoughts of bitterness, thoughts of anger. He tries to put in thoughts of depression in our mind. He tries to sow seeds of doubt. He tries to put in thoughts of fear, thoughts of guilt. He will actually... Uh, try to put in a low feeling of low self-esteem, even jealousy, but that's his job. You realize the Bible says the thief comes, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And where does he usually attack us first? Up here, in our minds. He attacks us in our minds, our thoughts. And the truth is, if he can control your mind, he can control your destiny. Do you realize that? There's an old saying, maybe some of you have heard it before, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head but you sure can keep it from building a nest in your hair. Amen? Think about it. We have a part to play. I said that to say this. Some of you have allowed the enemy to lay some of his lying eggs in your mind, and some of those lying eggs are starting to hatch. And because you're listening to those lies, let me just say this. Your cup may not be running over like David said it should, and like God wants it to. Did you know in the Old Testament they would apply blood to the high priest's right ear as a symbol of his mind? They would apply it to his right thumb as a symbol of the work that he was doing. They would apply it to his right toe as a symbol of the walk that he had with God. They would apply these oils to do two things, for cleansing and for anointing. I believe God wants to anoint some heads in this room today. I believe that with all of my heart, God wants to anoint some heads in this room today because the enemy has been playing with some of your minds for far too long. And I think, in a sense, it's time for him to buzz off and get out. Amen? <laughs> time for him just to get away and set you free. Let God set you free. All through the Psalms, David didn't go to any other person for his wounds than to God. 
And his psalm tells us that. He says, you, Lord God, anoint my head with oil. Not your prophets, not your teachers, not your counselors. Those things are all fine and dandy. But David knew without a doubt that no one could do the work that God does. No one can do the work that God does, and actually no one can bring the healing that God can bring. Oh, it's okay to go to your friends and family, those that love you, with your hurts and your wounds, but have you tried taking them to God? Have you tried giving them up to God? I think sometimes we have this attitude that God's got a whole lot bigger fish to fry than my little problems. I mean, he's got hurricanes to worry about. He's got wars to worry about. He's got the trains in Villa Grove to worry about. Amen? <laughs> God's got a lot to worry about, but I would say let's wor- let him worry about it. Amen? Let's let him worry about it. Let God decide for himself. I think back, if he cared enough to turn water into wine at a wedding, then shouldn't he care about our needs and our cares? Well, 1 Peter confirms this. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety or your cares upon him because he cares for you. I think the thing that we need to do as children of God, as sheep of God's pasture, is we need just to trust him. We need to submit to him no matter what uh, the situation is. Uh, we've got this big dog at home, uh, uh, Labradoodle. Her name is Gemma. And it's kind of like that when we try to wash Gemma. Cheryl puts her in the shower, turns on that shower head, and when that shower uh, hits down on her head, what does she do? She bows her head down, and that water runs over her head and down on her body. Cheryl's able to shampoo that big dog and rinse that big dog. But I think about that dog. We could learn some lessons from Gemma. Because what she's actually doing is getting herself into a position to receive cleansing. Getting herself into a position to receive Cheryl washing her. She's submitting. She's surrendering over to Cheryl. Let me just, and you notice I don't say me because I don't wash the dog. Amen. She's surrendering to Cheryl. In the same way when we come to God, we don't come to him barking out orders and demands. We come humbly before him. We come with a humble heart. We bow before him and we trust him. Think about these sheep, and I've said all along that sheep aren't the smartest animals out there. They're some of the dumbest animals. But these sheep have no clue what the shepherd is doing with all this oil stuff. They just trust the shepherd. I believe God is saying even if we don't know what God is doing with all this oil stuff, we ought to just trust the shepherd. Amen? Trust him with all of our heart. Because God, our shepherd, is always there to meet our needs in his perfect timing. I said a few weeks ago, he's never early, he's never late, but guess what? He's right on time. His timing's not our timing, his timing is better than our timing, his timing is perfect, and all we have to do is trusting. The last truth I want to bring out today is shepherds provide for us more than what we need. Our shepherd provides more than what we need. David goes on and says, my cup runneth over. Let me ask you a question, it's not a trick question. Pretty simple to answer, actually. Is an overflowing cup full? Is an overflowing cup full? Yes, but it's actually beyond full because it's so full that it's running over the top. So a cup overflowing, let me ask you, how much is that? More than enough? More than what we need? Amen? That's what God says He will do for us if we'll just trust Him. Keep our eyes upon the shepherd. He'll cause your cup not to be quarter full, half full, two-thirds full overflowing full. I don't know about you, but I want that in my life. I want that in your life. I think we all need that in our life.
In the Bible, an overflowing cup is symbolic of total satisfaction. A cup to overflowing. It means that person holding that cup has everything that they need. In the Middle East, you may not realize it, but they had a custom when it came to the cup that if you came to visit somebody, even if you were a stranger, they would offer you a cup of water or a cup of wine. And as long as they kept filling up that cup, you were welcome to stay. You could drink that cup and they'd fill it up again. You could drink that cup and they would fill it up again. But whenever it went dry and they didn't refill it, let's just say they were trying to give you a hint, it was time to go home. It was time to leave. But if the host decided that he really liked you and wanted you to stay for a long, long time or at least as long as you want, guess what he would do? He would fill that cup up to overflowing. That's significant. That, that is symbolic. It's symbolic of our lives. That Jesus promises to give us a surplus of his living water when we are spiritually thirsty. In fact, when you'll trust him, he'll fill your life beyond capacity. I have learned that firsthand in my life when things weren't going so well. When I just started to trust him, everything changed. All of a sudden, when I looked down and saw the empty cup, all of a sudden, I saw it in a whole new light. I saw it with an overflowing cup by God's goodness. Sometimes I think we worry about uh, the cup of God's mercy running dry. Don't you imagine the Apostle Paul probably felt that way? Remember the Apostle Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul. He killed Christians. How would you like to have that in your past? I would imagine he was grieved and had a lot of regrets on how many Christians he had killed, how many children he had made orphans. But you know something about the Apostle Paul? He learned something about God. He learned about the abundant amount of grace that God had to give. Look what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me. How? Abundantly. It wasn't just in trickles. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. And stop here before you say, well, I've done too much wrong in my life. How many Christians have you killed? How many children have you made orphans? And, God said, and Paul says, no, you have poured out your blessings upon my life abundantly along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Today you can know that your cup runs over with God's grace. That's something that we should never forget. Remember he moved us from darkness to light? Remember he moved us from death to life? Remember he gave us his overflowing mercy in abundance into our lives no matter what we've done when we came to him, when we trusted in him. So what if you look around and somebody else is uh, more handsome than you are, better looking than you are? So what? So what if you look around and they live in a nicer house than you live in and they drive a nicer car than you, you drive? So what? What if they always get the place at the head table? Put it in perspective. You get a seat at God's table. You get a seat at God's table by your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You get a seat at God's table and he is filling your cup up to overflowing. Because why? He wants you to stay. He wants you to stay not just today, but forever. So long story short, we need to remember. Jog your memory. Jesus purchased our seat at the table. So imagine yourself sitting at that table, the table of God. Imagine yourself looking around and seeing yourself surrounded by your enemies. And I would imagine most of us would all of a sudden have the feeling, I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve to be here. I did nothing to earn my way here. The thing is, you shouldn't be there. You and I shouldn't be there. But the gospel is simply this. You shouldn't. You can't. 
but he will and he did. Amen? It's that simple. Jesus did all that for us. On Calvary's hill, he purchased and paid for every single one of your sins, past, present, and future. He canceled out the debt of sin against us on the cross. So whenever you start to look down that table and realize you're able to be seated at God's table, and you realize, I don't deserve to be here, just remember, I only deserve to be here because Jesus made it possible. He paid the price for my seat. He paid my way. His blood redeemed me. Because of His blood, I can belong to Him. We can be the sheep of His pasture. And guess what? We can feast on His goodness in the presence of our enemies because He made the way. Amen? We have that right, undeserved right, but a right as the children of God to feast on His goodness. goodness. And when we do that, guess what? The enemy loses his hold on us. And we're set free. For God's praise, God's glory, and for our joy. Amen? Don't we serve a good God today? Isn't He an awesome God? I love how He takes the simplicity of a shepherd and a sheep, then throws the uh, uh, enemy into the recipe, and still the shepherd's on the top. The shepherd is everything that you and I need. So this week, we're all going to face different challenges. There's no doubt about that because we are human beings. In this world, we will have trouble, the Bible says. But this week, first time trouble knocks at your door, guess what you need to remember? Jesus paid my, for my seat at the table. Amen? Could you stand for your seats? Stand from your seats this morning. I believe this morning God wants to anoint some heads with His oil of protection, with His oil of peace, with His oil of salvation with His oil of love and goodness. And some of you, maybe there's someone in here that's been, really been down this week. You feel like you've been forgotten. Let me remind you from up here, you haven't. You've got a heavenly Father, a heavenly shepherd that loves you more than anyone could ever love you. And He wants the best for your life. So as I pray this prayer, I'm going to be praying for you. I want us all to pray and just trust in our shepherd today that He would guide us through the Mesas of life, that He would guide us around those poisonous snake holes, that He would guide us through all the trouble, the nose flies and all that we face in life. Father God, in the name of Jesus, our ask today, first of all, would be that You would teach us how to do all this. Father, sad to say we're not very good at it. So many times we fail at it. Lord, remind us of the place that we stand with You through Your Son, spotless, holy, blameless, and pure, and Lord, as we wrestle and we struggle and we encounter our enemies on a daily basis, Lord, may the goodness of your word and your presence wash over us in a way that will set us free. Lord, set us free to receive your love and to live in a way that it would be displayed to the world around us to make a difference in their lives. Father, we thank you for the seat at the table that is ours, undeservedly, but is ours because you purchased it. It was purchased by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I thank you for the privilege of being called the sheep of your pasture, for being called sons and daughters of the Most High. We didn't do anything to deserve it but turn towards you and believe in the sacrifice of your Son. Father, may we enjoy the banquet of your grace, not only today, but all the days of our lives. And may we reach out and share it with everyone we meet for your glory, for your praise, and for your honor. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week.